it starts with understanding who you are and and measuring where you are and benchmarking with something bigger that drives this engine. This is Rashif Daswani and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. So what is Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life. Right, where should I start? I'm Daniel Ludwig, trainer and leadership coach by profession, and I'm always fascinated to look back in life and turn your life stories in form of a book for other generations to learn from, but also for yourself as self-reflection and to gain new life energy. It's a challenge itself, and frankly, not everyone has thought of this. As we always think, when we get older, we should write our own life book. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share with others, achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format, capturing the willpower and belief of people during important life-changing decisions. It's been around one and a half years ago since Rashif Daswani was on the podcast. To be honest, it felt like another world. You know, no pandemic, no COVID-19. A world where we could just you know, plan without any worries, travel, go out. But we live in a different world. And looking back actually helps us also to appreciate what we had and to maybe look forward as well. Um, back in April 2019 on Chapters of My Life, Episode 22, Rashif called his life book, Fill in Your Purpose. And Rashif is leadership transformation coach and consultant. And in our conversation, we discovered eight chapters, which are about building the true foundation to grow who you want to be. The question is, what changed since our last conversation in Rashif's life? What new life chapters in his book were written? That's exactly what we explore in our add-on edition and this episode 31. To my surprise, he has only one new life chapter. Yes, only one new. And what I can tell you is it's really powerful. He chooses the chapter title Transition, which for sure can be the title for so many of us during this unprecedented pandemic times. When you visit his website, you see that empowered transformation starts with being authentically happy. It's about measuring and to know where to start with identifying your purpose. In this add-on chapter episode, Transformation, we explore the connection of purpose and values and how it helps individuals and organizations finding their right journey. Rashif is taking mental well-being to a new stage stage. His inner belief and the energy he brings out in every statement underlines a quality for him to read between the lines. So let's start this transformation episode. Enjoy episode 32 with Rashif Taswani. So here we are Rashif. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks okay. so much. So, Rashif, um, do you remember our last recording? Our Absolutely. last podcast recording, live book recording. It's not have, it hasn't been that long time ago, right? Yeah, you know, time flies so, you know, so fast, Daniel, that sometimes we think um, something that happened yesterday has actually happened 
maybe longer than, than we can imagine, right? But yeah, it didn't feel that long ago. Um, and we had an amazing discussion together and I'm excited for part two. Yes, so I, I looked into, into the kind of archive a couple of weeks ago and I saw that our recording was in April, 2019. You know, when I just look back, it's a bit, yeah, it's roughly around one and a half year ago. And I feel like the world has changed 360 degrees. I mean, what we went through pandemic, everything literally, you know, when I saw that date itself, it kind of puts me back into a, into a mood where I say, oh, I wished I would be back at that time at the same time. But the world has changed so much, isn't it? It has. It, it really, really has. Um, you know, I think one of, the, of the, the most important things that you and I both have always been very aware of is living in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, we always find that, that perfect time to celebrate even the present moment, even when things may not be the same as it was in 2019. But I do recall that conversation and that day on April 19th, it was April 2008. And I remember you coming down to MBS and um, what an amazing session we had. Yeah, so it was, it's, it's, it's great memories. It was, it was a different time. I mean, things which we could not have done today. And that's the reason why we're also going to record on Zoom. I mean, for one reason, obviously, because of the pandemic, but on the other reason, of course, because I'm not in, in the same city like you now. But I yes. feel like even with Zoom and even with like remote um, conversations, we still can capture amazing conversations and capture kind of what has changed since the last recording. And that's the reason also why I wanted to actually touch base with you and thanks for your time as well, to see what really has changed in Rashid's life since the last recording, even it's just one and a half years ago. But I feel a lot of things has changed when I had that pre-conversation with you the last few weeks. Um, so let me start directly um, or pick the conversation or so, yeah, start this conversation with like the last recording, what we had. If you remember the last book, the life book where you created in last recording, it called Fill in Your Purpose. And what fascinated me at that recording was that you said the cover is a reflective cover. Yeah. So if the Rashif today in 2020 um, is holding that book and ha has that cover in front of you, who do you see from that reflective cover? Well, you know, uh, I, I really still believe that that reflective cover um, is, is an answer for every single one of us, right? So we, at any point in our times, you know, the funny, fascinating thing is when we pick up a book, um, we go back to what the memory of that book is. But the beautiful thing about a reflective cover is it brings you in the moment, right? You could have read that book 20 years ago and you may have looked differently and then you come back on the cover and, and now you see yourself physically as well as who you are as a person. And it reminds you that, that the moments remain the same because all we have is a moment. But what has changed is, you know, the perspective of that moment, right? Our experiences bring us to who we are today, right? Um, so to answer your question, I would, I would see myself uh, wiser in the sense that, you know, there's, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from, you know, our perspectives and the shift and, and then also what's happening around us, right? Today, we're living a very different world. Uh, the pandemic has taught us so much, right? Um, so yeah, I, I would be see, I'd see a, a, a new perspective of the same person. 
what I liked from that cover was really that, you know, because it's a reflective cover, um, it updates every time you're picking up the book. So yes. as you say, you live in the moment. It is not kind of a, you know, cover which has been designed at that time of writing the book. It's actually up to date every time you're picking up the book. And usually the cover is also kind of a summary or should kind of give a teaser of what's in the book as well. So it's more kind of an invitation of, you know, to the, the person who picks up the book to say, what you hold right now is up to date. Everything what's in the book is literally up to date. And that's very, I love that, uh, that it's a rec reflective cover. And when I looked into the archive, I felt like this is a great idea. Um, to be maintained as well. So you said, you, you, you just mentioned about um, mistakes actually. And I remember a couple of days ago on your Instagram account, you said, you know, we should not be afraid of mistakes. Um, because after every mistake, there is a bigger lesson as well. What have you learned since the last recording uh, in terms of lessons? Daniel, there's been so many lessons. Um, there was a recent uh, post I put up about letting go or holding on, mm -hmm. you know? And I think when I combine the two points, when I speak about mistakes and I speak about holding on to something too long um, or not knowing when to let go, uh, allowing yourself to, to move forward, because a lot of times what we do as, as individuals, you know, uh, let's take pre-COVID situation. We had plans based on what the world looked like, but we have to adjust, right? We have to adjust to what's a reality, what's the new reality at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest findings for me as an individual was, um, you know, since our last conversation, you know, if you remember, we were talking about what MDS's journey is going to be like. And mm -hmm. we, were, we were working with so many amazing clients, we continue to, but our, our concept was all about helping uh, individuals transform. And we did these well-being retreats, right? And these well-being retreats are beautiful. I love them. And my team, most gorgeous team, we have so much fun together. And, and it's an honor to do what we do. But one of the things that I found uh, last year, after doing thousands of, you know, having thousands of people attend our retreats, was that, you know, everybody came in. They loved the sessions, Daniel. They, they connected. They went within. And then they'd go back to work. Right, and we always wanted them to be able to take what they 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 experienced, and it started. We wanted them to bring it to work with them. We wanted it to help them start to transform their own space, right? So that you can be within even when you're outside anywhere you are. But what we started finding was, and the funny thing is, we found out in, in very interesting ways. Okay, uh, we'd visit some clients, and then someone would be, oh, I can't wait to attend the next retreat. And which is an honor because we know they had fun and they liked it, but it, it got me thinking, you know, and after you hear it a few times, it starts getting, you know, it, it makes you think, wait a second, you know, transformation is an in inside journey. It's a journey that requires everyone to own up and step up. But if everyone keeps on waiting for something to happen for that to take place so that they can start to feel better and then maybe learn from it, then my question is, is that really a transformation that we want to you know, put in place, or do we need to go deeper? So mm -hmm. one of the, one of my lessons last year was that, you know, it's not enough to, to share experiences. 
it's more powerful to hold the space. And that meant that we need to be able to bring in tools that enable us to deepen people's experiences so that they can actually be held accountable for the transformation. So it was not just share an experience, but actually hold the space for someone to be accountable to moving sets forward. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really important. And I think it wasn't something I was feeling alone. The, the thing is that everybody was involved with me was kind of feeling the same thing moving forward. And not to say that um, we, we don't, you know, or we will not be doing these retreats. Of course, we will be still doing them. Mm -hmm. But it has to, it also has to, alongside, there has to be more things to it. So this is why we started to decide, okay, let's each of us go deeper in what we are more passionate about so we can actually hold the space more authentically for you know, our clients and for individuals we work with. Mm -hmm. I myself thought, you know, I, I've, I've always been uh, a conscious leader and I always believed in conscious leadership. But I realized that you know, one thing is, is, is living it through experience and one thing is holding the space. It's a lot, it's very different, Daniel, when you do it from a coach's perspective because you know, the person on the other side of the table may not be in the same space. You have to meet them kind of where they are. And then you have to hold the space to make them move or allow them to move in the journey that they need to move. And everyone takes different steps, right? Mm -hmm. um, some things that may be obvious to you may not be obvious to someone else, right? Um, and it's just based on their perspective at that point in time and their experiences at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of similarities as humans. Yeah. For sure, yes. There's a, lot, there's a lot of things that we, we see and we, mm -hmm. we find common. For example, you know, we understand the value that love is and love has. But then how do you connect you know, love to the workplace? Is that something that has even been done in many places? So it's getting over that boundary and making, mm -hmm. you know, making your clients see that how there's actually a case to be made for you know, love in the workplace that actually can result in better productivity, higher profits, and higher engagement. Mm -hmm. So there's actually, there are studies there now that can prove that, and there's tools that, you know, we can put in place that enable people to see that. Yeah. So. You touched base a very interesting point. Um, I mean, we remember very well last year, the recording, and when we had the pre-discussion and afterwards as well, that you talked about the retreats and you planning these retreats, et cetera. And, um, and as you said, right now, the retreats are very, very important steps on the journey but there was this missing link between the retreats or there is this kind of, you know, where you say the clients are waiting towards the retreat and then they're not making most use of their actual time towards the retreat or not putting that knowledge of living in that moment in that time. Would you say from that learning you had around last year is that there was a disconnection between um, waiting for the retreats and actually turning that knowledge, that learnings, into the daily life with the participants? And how would you, and how would you interpret that disconnection? Uh, were they afraid to do it by themselves? Were they left alone? Or were they always waiting for someone who tells them what to do? Uh, fantastic question. Um, it, was, it was really a bit of um, many things mixed in there. One is that you know, the environment that they go back to as clients, right, when they go back to the organizations, the environments have to be conducive, you know, to continuously push individuals to move towards that space of transformation. Now, it's very hard for us to think, you know, uh, 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 I was gonna say, you know, pinpoint one reason, but I think collectively it comes in in fact that people are busy, they, they, they get back to the, the doing, right? 
where one of the biggest things that I talk about in the journey of conscious leadership is moving from doing to being, right? And, you know, bringing in that authenticity and authentic trust, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about organizations that are busy doing because there's so many things that have to get done, people feel there's no time, you know, they actually believe that, that you know, just move into that space of being is actually going to stop them from doing things. But in reality, what ends up happening is you, you, you're able to magnify the way you show up when you're from coming from the space of being. Now, what does that mean? What does the space of being mean, right? Because a right-brain you know, leader sitting in an office that, that's focused on numbers goes, what does this even mean? It means that you allow individuals to show up as who they are, as opposed to force them to wear masks and behave a particular you know, manner. Now, I, I have engineering companies as well. And we, we are very process-driven. Of course, you have to be process-driven, right? So, mm -hmm. so people go, well, you know, we have processes. We have to follow processes. But, in, in, you know, conscious organizations have to identify which processes are needed. The processes are brilliant. But at what point does process overtake humanizing the organization? In other cases, I'll give you an example. Uh, during this pandemic, so many organizations were faced with a situation where a lot of the employees had to work from home. Right, mm -hmm. um, a lot of organizations that are IT based and and you know the newer uh, the newer uh, organizations were more able to adapt to this change. But then there was brick and mortar organizations, engineering companies that have never had to do this. It's very difficult for them to work from home. But mm -hmm. suddenly they were forced. Right. So it was during this time that I think they got their first experience of what I was talking about when I said, you know, processes are good but you have to find that blend of humanizing it. And here was a situation where, you know, a majority of their employees, all in management, including myself and, and, and all of us, in fact, were in a, in a very untested situation. We didn't know how we're supposed to manage a situation like this. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone was, was, was dealing with fear because it was, it was your health. It's the health of your family, health of your loved ones, health of the people at work, right? So everyone's vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. um, your relationships were way more transparent, the conversations became more upfront and, and uh, transparent, right? We spent time checking in with everybody to make sure how everyone's feeling before we started our meetings. In other words, process was the meeting. The meeting yes. was the process that, that businesses do. But if you see a, a, a usual business will walk in, boom, straight to work. Let's, yes. let's talk about, right? But if you don't know how the people are feeling, you don't check in, you don't touch base and humanize the space, then you don't give people the permission to, to show up, I mean, you, your mind frame may not be there. You may, you may be worried about something that's more important to you at this point in time than that particular uh, agenda of that particular moment, right? Mm -hmm. so, so as organizations and as conscious leaders, Daniel, we have to be aware that, you know, it, it takes those small steps that we have to introduce into our organizations that allows us to, you know, make the environment more conducive to humanize it, yeah? which will bring authentic trust in the table. You know, this is, this is the kind of things that, that we all want, but do we create the environment for it, right? Yes. You said something very interesting, uh, Rashif. Um, you said that we didn't know how to react. And I'm pretty sure this applies to six, seven billion people around the world, that no one really knew how to react to that. Because as you say, like often in engineering companies or at any kind of companies, you know, many apply processes on a daily basis. You know, you, you're coming from an oil and gas kind of industry as well, um, or 
in that field, and you, as you say, with the organization, it lives with processes. That process often is for, for forcing people to do rather than to be, as you say, as well. So in that kind of transition where we all are facing still today, um, moving away from that traditional process into the being in that adaptive mode can be a very challenging moment for organizations, but can be also an opportunity for growth and yes. personal growth during the transformation. I remember very well, actually, from the last conversation we had, the last chapter you had was doing to be. And I love that because it contains both, you just said, moving from doing to going to be. And this kind of a merge of how we should, you know, be more in the moment, but also be more adaptive to that surrounding around the surroundings around us and check in with other people. That's that's I found it very, very interesting. You said a lot, uh, you mentioned a lot in the last conversation as well, in the last podcast in a and also in the, in the pre-conversation about authenticity. How important is that for you, Harshif, being authentic? Incredibly important. I, I think it, the question is really expanded to how important is it for all of us? And the answer to that is, you know, many of us are aware it's important. Some of us are not, you know, I have not put a thought to it, but it's, it's incredibly important for all of us to be authentic and to show up authentically. And I think this is where we can release some of these limiting beliefs, you know, that we are less than, or that, um, you know, something doesn't feel, you know, that we don't fit in. You know, this is the kind of, and we've seen these situations now play out in so many different scenarios around the world, right? And sometimes you almost feel like it's being forced, mm -hmm. right, Daniel? So this is why when we look back at this transformation now, you know, um, it, it's, you know, part two of what we're working on since our last conversation is we've gone deeper into holding the space and helping people transform because we feel that, you know, this is the kind of work that we need to now help individuals get towards, you know, reaching out to this, um, the space that enables them to be more authentic. Yeah. Mm. Um, so to answer your question, I, I think it's, it's, it's imperative that we, you know, we, we bring this to the forte now, mm. so that we see how, how, how much of an impact it has in yes. who you are today. So when I pick up on the last chapter you had in the book, Doing to Be, and that was back in April 2019, walk me through, I mean, you, you shared already, you know, you had these aha moments that from retreats, often clients not took their learnings or applied that to their daily life and were waiting till the next retreat. Super excited, uh, super happy, positive feedback, but yet that impact you wanted to create in themselves wasn't as visible as you wished for on their daily work life or daily life, private life as well. So walk me through what, uh, what has, what, how could be the next chapter let's last summer 2019 look like, or what was actually, what is the next chapter in your book starting from last year after the recording? You know, that's, that's really interesting. Um, if I was to name that chapter, I would say transition probably. Mm -hmm. Because till the last chapter, they were able to experience, you know, the feeling what it is to go in you know there was there was that 
that understanding that you know everyone has the right to be happy right and that does require you to you know give yourself the permission to okay experience something um, that's maybe new to so many people right but like every experience that you have when you find something new and something that excites you daniel it also opens up the door to so much of the unknown and it becomes a transition for you because you have to let go of what maybe you're comfortable with um, some habits that have been developed over time uh, release some fears that you're holding on to mm. that you may not even be aware that you were holding on to and as you you know start to unravel that it starts to also uh, put you in a very transitional phase of your life and i think this last year more than ever before in my entire life have i met people at that stage where they're all in that space of transition and it transition is not always a huge move can you right but it's it's that awareness it's that that movement you know that starting of that movement that becomes exciting and you can hear it in their voices when they connect and, and they speak and they go raj you know we've had one of those years where we've suddenly seen uh, a change in the way we are thinking you know uh, and i'm sure you've met people like that too who now are going you know i've had a month at home or two months at home and i've seen that you know what i've been doing all my life is you know it's it's there's so much more i need to do or, or, or the conversations got so much deeper and and this is the this is the small nuances you know um i spoke to someone the other day on zoom and uh daniel we've had a great relationship you know talking and and, and we we'd be very you know there's a lot of um exchanges over the years but i don't think i had a deeper conversation with this individual than i had in the last couple of months where masks had dropped you know um they were able to share how vulnerable they were feeling and they're successful too so it's not like you're talking to someone who's not successful no it's very successful right but mm-hmm. it was it was really refreshing right because you could see that transitional phase and you could see the the realization that you know we live once this is the opportunity we have in this lifetime to create an impact are we do we feel we have created an impact and for those that that feel that everything that they've done so far has created an impact um you know we ask them to go back and 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 measure and weigh where is that impact land in the in the scale of where they you know where they want or why they want their life to look at particular or where they want their life to look like at the end of the you know of the journey yes and hey t- i take it that that most people uh, always look at the present moment as what well, we've accomplished so much but there's so much more we need to do right mm-hmm. and i like i like them to be able to see that but i like them to see it from a different set of eyes where they go you know if if i realize who i am at this point in time and why i'm here and why i'm i'm you know why i'm doing what i'm doing then if i stop doing for a second who would i be so who am i right mm. and what will it take me to reach that place where i need to go why do i need to go there well now i've established the why i have to go there but daniel if if just by being me i can get there then along the way i'm going to make a lot of things happen i don't mm. have to do much but just the fact that i'm here at this moment in time and i have i know that i'm here to you know do all that i need to do in order to reach that why then i'm going to leave an i'm going to leave a legacy mm-hmm. right and you know legacies don't have to be self driven daniel there there's always a, 
the beautiful thing about mankind is it's always bigger than us. It always is. No matter who you are, it's always huge. It's always something beautiful and gorgeous. It brings all of us together. And it always has one thing in common. It's love-based. It's always, it always is infused and, you know, um, encircled with love. And that's yes. why I, am, I always will say this, and I'll always say conscious leaders are leaders that operate through love. Conscious organizations are organizations that operate through love. Mm-hmm. Human beings, this is what we are genuinely here to do, right? No matter how we show up to the world, we could be business leaders, we could be speakers, we could be celebrities, we could be whoever we are. Ultimately, it comes down to one thing. And that is, you, you know, why did your life, uh, how did your life count, right? And did you get the opportunity to be and experience what you were here to experience? Yes. I wished I would have recorded that conversation with video, but the, the listeners would have seen the sparks in your eyes when you just shared that. And I can see that you're talking from your soul. You're talking deeply from your soul as well. I mean, as you, you, mean, you, you say also in Instagram, on your website, you, you know, you're transforming leaders and organizations to consciously be. Um, what you just said is like, you know, in order to consciously be, you need to know where you are today. Otherwise, you're starting from nowhere and you don't know where you're going to. What fascinates, what fascinates me with the, with the word transformation and also what, how you called that one chapter of, um, last year, starting with like transition, often organizations, even in this current pandemic times, organizations say, yeah, transi- a transition is great. Let's transit from A to B. Let's go A, P, C, and let's do it, these steps. But often organizations targeting a wrong goal they maybe make up a very quick you know, decision, let's go from A to B, and B is like this, without really consciously know what is B. And I'm talking about B, and not B, but more like what is the destination. How, what have you seen in the last few, last year maybe, starting from that new chapter, that transformation is often interpreted in a different way in organization? What have you seen? Yeah. Uh, in the in the organization. So so I think if I get your question right, as organizations are planning their, you know their the future moving forward, the short term and long term future, when we talk about transition and transformation, you know every leader and in all right in business we need to always be able to know where we are. And in order for us to do that, we have to really you know start to measure right, but. If you look at organizational measures, there's always the, the typical financials that we all have in place and we all measure. And it's always, it's very easy for an organization to say, okay, wait a second. You know, costs are really high right now. Situations are, are really tough. You know, uh, we need to look at our numbers, which is, it's a, it's a normal situation. Everyone has to do that. It, it's, it's just the way business operates. However, that said and done, there's a lot of intangibles that, we don't take care of, and if we don't measure, you know, we'll play a very big part in the definition of our numbers in the end. So one of those intangibles that we, that look, science is, is talking more about it than you, and everyone is out there speaking about it now. There's people like myself and so many amazing people out there who talk about, you know, the, you know, the fact that, that we, in business, we're dealing with the highest level of disengagement ever. We know the people factor plays a very big role. So to answer your question, 
this is the time when I think organizations overall have to start to measure not only the tangibles, but the intangibles. We're talking about stuff like um, the culture of the organization. How does the culture show up for you today? Now, a lot of times, and I've, I've heard this in the past as well, I've heard you know, organizations say, listen, no, we, we're not spending on, on, on that stuff right now. We don't have that in our budget. And then they follow it up with stuff like, yeah, because you know, right now we have to focus on, on very important things. And they're like, like, what? Like, you know, well, transition's happening, we need cost cut. You know, this is the first things that they'll say. And, and you just sit back and you listen to the story and you ask yourself the first question is, it almost sounds like you're dealing with so much change hitting you. There's, there's numbers that are, are on decline. And the only way you could probably end up getting out of there is that if everything comes together in order for you to push yourself out. It's like when you fall into a pit, right? When your vehicle goes into a pit, you know, you lived in Dubai and you know, the, the tires get stuck in the sand, right? Mm. You can <laughs> press that gas. And I remember the first time I did it, I kept pressing the gas as hard as I could. And all it did is get me stuck in the sand deeper. You know what I mean? So you start to realize you have to use strategies. And so what I'm talking about is you have so many intangibles that will impact your business. And, and for example, culture is one of those examples. Now, how does culture play for you? You know, this is a question people often wonder. Think of it this way. You have, you know, let's say your organization with just 10 people and each person has 10 natural values that they, they, they work with. And this is their natural values. This is, they, they, this is who you are when you show up to work, mm, right? Yes. And, and so now we have 100 values in that organization, but management has decided that these are the top five values that we're going to use because I believe these are the five values I believe in. And everybody here is going to use those values and it's, it's going to come together and then our clients are going to know who we are all about and what our organization is about, our brand. And you understand everything pivots around these values, our marketing, our brand. Our... But we have 95 other values that exist in that organization from those 10 people. Now, just imagine a culture, if we were to align it, where we take the top 10 values of all of them. Yeah? And mm -hmm. it, the desired culture, the, the, the desired culture is the desired culture of all 10 of them. All 10 of the top values of theirs that come together where they inter, inter, interlink, that becomes the values of the organization. Chances are, People are going to naturally behave the way they always have, you know, them as themselves and start bringing that to work. Mm -hmm. Just so as a leader, you look back and you say, well, my accounts department now can perform more naturally because the guy who comes to work doesn't feel like he has to pretend to do something different. Yes. He just is the way he is. And, and it starts to conducively bring people together. So what I was saying is that, that organizations need to measure. Now, apart from culture, there's many other things. There's natural behaviors. So it's mm. not only the values. Another thing is the biggest one, the biggest elephant in the room is the purpose. You know, one in, one in I believe it's, it's something like one in two or one in three leaders set visions of organizations, but they don't have their own purpose defined. Now you say, why? Because people think purpose is flaky, right? My personal why is not as important as what my organization is doing and why it's doing it. But mm. if what my organization is doing and the why of my organization, if it doesn't align to my why, then chances are somewhere along the way, I'm going to be disconnected with the why of the organization. Yes. What do you see when you say about the top 10 values, you're narrowing it down to the top 10 values. What do you see? What are the most important steps for each 
leader in the company. And I'm talking about leaders, not someone in the management, everyone in the organization is leader. What needs sure. to be done for each to really have that kind of top 10 values alignment as a concrete steps? What steps needs to be done? Brilliant. I mean, look, the, the, the good news is, is, Daniel, is that we don't have to recreate things. The, there are so many amazing tools out there that already do this. The thing is that many of us are not even aware that they exist, right? So the first time that I used one of those tools, I was blown away. I was like, wow. Not only there's, there was there's a tool that I love, it was measuring entropy. That means it was measuring the amount of wasted energy that my organization had. It's the opposite. It, 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 it's the opposite of engagement. That means that the higher the entropy, the lower the engagement. Wow. Okay, here for the first time, I could see that the culture of my organization hmm, had some wasted energy going on. What does that mean? That means there's a lot of stuff that is moving us away from engagement. And how do we tackle that? By tackling the culture, right? And it can be measured for leaders. It can be measured for the head of departments. It can, so you can start to measure. So like I said, first and foremost, any transition needs us to show you the mirror, to see where you are now. Once you know where you are, you can move yourself forward. Now, all of us have something called our present values, the values that we, you know, we desire, say, right? But as an organization, we're going to have the values of all of us that come together. What is the actual values presently showing up in the organization? Some will be moving us upward and excited. You know, will be, will be love-based values that are very uh, visionary and service-led and transformative. But then there will be some other values that could be maybe limiting values. That could be, maybe look at silo effect or, or, or um, values that, that you know, can, can pull teams apart, right? Mm -hmm. They do exist in the business world, right? So we have to bring awareness to that. Okay. Now, once you, you identify where your, your present culture values are, and then you can identify where everyone wants to go, what are the values that we seek? Now you're moving an organization from, okay, this is where you are right now and where you have to go. And you have measures, you have scores like entropy that can tell you how you're doing along the way. Is <laughs> engagement going up or not? So guess what, Daniel? What I'm saying is, we don't have to reinvent anything. It's there. It's just that there are tools available that we can use. Now, a tool by itself, it's brilliant. It can be so powerful. But now, what, what I realized when I was working with organizations is nothing stands alone. You can't just fix one thing and leave something else hanging, right? Because an organization is a moving of, is a sum of so many parts that are moving, right, Daniel? So you work on, on values. But before we do that, we have to work on something even bigger. It's purpose, purpose to action. So that we have purpose, we have purpose to action. And how is purpose to action? It's through our values, right? Yes. So, so that link is never there. We have organizations talking about values. Here are my five values. Okay, what's your purpose? Um, yes. My purpose is save the world. Really? That's your purpose? How? Yes. <laughs> Why? Give, give me a real reason. I mean, so you have to work on it. So. When we work, you know, one of my programs is, for example, is this, I, I've, I've developed something called the 16-week uh, conscious leadership development program. Yes. And it, it's so funny, Daniel. It, it's not about just working with top leaders. I also work with mid-management. I also work with everyday people, right? Because everyone's a leader in their life. But it's all aligned. It's about aligning the individual and an organization so that everything falls in place. So I'll, I'll, add, I'll add one more dimension for this, just so you can see how we can keep on measuring. Sure. You move, you move from just the values. Now you move that to a space of um, the, the natural behaviors, right? So you could have all kinds of values, but you have, you have different tendencies, man. Everybody does. Someone's introverted. Someone's extroverted. Someone you know, is very opinionated. Someone is very calm. And, and, is, 
and and you know this again brings changes the dynamics of the organization right so we hire people based on resumes today we hire people well this is where he's worked and he studied the best school but do we hire them for who they are this is why i keep on saying move from doing to being because doing is that cv that's what i did i went to this university i you know this is where i worked and that's doing that's brilliant great you have good experience but Ultimately, when you're bringing someone into your organization, you want to bring in the right fit. You want to bring in the right people that are going to move with you, that are going to not only buy in and weigh in on what your decisions are, but are going to also help you, you know, expand your thought process. Am I right? Are going to move you towards purpose because their purpose aligns with your purpose, right? <laughs> Ultimately, if my why is driven by your why, and if my only incentive is to make your why happen, chances are I'm going to disconnect somewhere. But if your why aligns with my why, then I have more reason to push it in the same mm -hmm. direction because I believe in the, in the ultimate cause. I believe where we're going. Yes. What I really like from you, Rashif, is that you're not seeing organizations as organizations. You're seeing them as a number of people working together towards a specific purpose, goal, having the collective vision board as well so you're seeing people behind every organization and what you just said about that personal why is very very important to actually create some kind of catalyst in each of us to move forward that company or that project that team or supporting each other as well what do you see when when you now and i see that a lot that you're working on that personal level a lot with, with individuals you know to rep which represent a company to find the purpose, the values. What would you see is needed for an individual who says, yeah, I know this is great. I know all the theory, what you just told me, but what do I, I need to do now as a first step for myself, completely independent from the organization? What can I do now in order to be prepared for the steps which you mentioned? Again, a brilliant question. And, and the reason why I say it's brilliant is because everything I just said to you, I, I do it parallelly. I do it with individuals and I also do it with, with, with organizations. You know, the ultimate um, experience that I have walked away with is that when individuals feel aligned and purpose-driven, everything in their life starts to fall in place because it starts to make more sense for them, right? So again, it starts with the same space. What, when I, when I spoke earlier, I said, we have to know where we are now. And, and Daniel, it's the same for every one of us. Today, even with a pandemic, you know, seven months have passed, I believe, right? We're still now readjusting to life with a mask and you know, some, some new realities, right? But we need to check in. We need to check in and measure where we are. We have to see where we are. And and it it, it and again, it's it's not just ticking a box and say, "Well, I've done this. And I've done this. And I know where I am." But it's progressively moving, progressively holding yourself accountable, showing up responsibly, so that you're actually moving the markers forward, right? And ultimately, weighing it and benchmarking it to that why because. I've, I'll tell you, one of the most powerful learnings I had this year was that everyone was so busy in the past and suddenly, you know, when they were in lockdown, they realized that the most important things in their life were probably in the same room with them. 
the people that they cared the most about were in the same room, right? And if you were lucky enough to live in the same city as your loved ones, the realization was, it was, it was like a, such a big aha moment for so many people, yeah? They, I think people started to understand the difference between needs and, and, and wants for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it's such an amazing situation when you get on this train and the train is, you know, full of these material things, which is awesome. And we need it, we want it, I love it. And then you realize that in situations like this, when, you know, it's about the well-being and the welfare of those people that you love and yourself and and. and you start to realize what you you know what what is the most important things in life so what i'm saying is that a lot of times individuals need to take stock and measure and when you benchmark it to to like i said you know yes we say purpose but i i don't end it there i say purpose into action and then move it from there and go further try to know who you are and that means understand your natural behaviors you know understand you know uh, a, a what it is to be mindful, right? Mm. How are you? Where are you in that space? Are you always thinking about everything? Is your mind always reeling with a hundred things to do? Mm-hmm. You know, are you really in the space? Have you taken the time to to develop that space? Mm-hmm. You know, go lower. Are, are you working on you know your emotional intelligence? Is that something which you know you're aware of? Is that yeah. something that you know you've given thought to, right? Because how do you show up to the world, right? How do you receive and how do you give? I mean, these are important situations, but see, so as you understand, it starts with understanding who you are and, and measuring where you are and benchmarking with something bigger that drives this engine, you can see. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something, you said, you know, taking time, um, which kind of, you know, made me think of what does it mean taking time? It also, for me personally, it means slowing down. And I mean, this pandemic itself, are we all forced to slow down? And you mentioned something, a very interesting example earlier in this conversation about, you know, being stuck in the sand when you're in the desert with a car. And, you know, usually when you want to get out, when you're trapped, you push harder and push harder. And then you are more trapped and trapped. So the pandemic itself kind of gives us um, a voluntary opportunity to slow down and not push on the gas too fast, to yes. give us a, a chance to give ourselves space as well. And kind of what you, when you just mentioned that, I don't know if you know that that in a game of tennis, it's from um, it's a Timothy Galway, he's an author, and he said something very interesting. He he wrote books, uh, the book also the inner game of tennis. And what he said was very, something very interesting. And he just used tennis as a metaphor as well. When you slow down in learning any practice in sport or anything else, when you slow down, you're less thinking about what you're doing, you just do it. And you, you are in the moment, you're more be. And I think that what you said about this creating space gives us the opportunity which we should use to reflect and as you say, measure where we are today in order to know what is the next step but using that opportunity and not seeing, oh, we have to adjust because, and then it's one, two years, we're going to be back as it was. No, redefine our purpose, redefine the values. I think this is something which you said with, uh, with creating that new space was very, very fascinating. How, how when, when I just look back, Rashif, into that chapter where you said about transition, 
how long is that chapter? You know, it, it's interesting, man. I think, I think that is probably the longest chapter in this book because that's the chapter where, you know, just like in any, any scientific experiment, you know, you need the data, right? This is mm -hmm. where we get the data. This is where we collect the data. Um, and, and that's why, you know, in, in my particular journey right now, you know, we've rebranded and, and you will see that now I'm, I'm moving from that MBS journey now, it's a happiness coaching center. And the Rajiv Daswani brand now is being pushed for that because for the first time, I realized that it's no longer just about, you know, going out there and supplying the tools, but it's about explaining this journey and, and allowing people to connect to that, that you know, the, the reason why this journey is important. So mm -hmm. now it's about everyone owning it. So the transition here is, like I, like I explained to you, is, is being able to see where you are, identify where you need to go and why you have to go there because the impact you want to create and how you want to count. And then and the role that, that, that I'm playing in this journey is really what I call holding the space as a coach. It's, it's really holding the space and meeting everyone at each one of these points that we spoke about where we measured and seeing where we can move forward together. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about that is that, you know, as you can probably understand, it, it's a delicate dance, but it's one that, that requires, you know, the person who shows up to really stay connected on this journey. You know, what does that mean? That means that we need to ensure that when you get on a, you know, a journey such as this, when you work on yourself moving forward, that every day is a step for you that is moving you, you know? Because if it, if it doesn't, and what does that mean? Are we talking about physical steps? No, I'm talking about just the evolutionary stage of your, your personality, your soul, your, you know, your being, right? So you yourself can, can look in the mirror and, and see how far you have come. See, Daniel, the thing is that many of us, we've, we've, we've scored ourselves based on what we've been able to do in life right? Tick. I did this. Tick, tick, tick. But you know, when you, when you really want to measure yourself, you should be able to see how you've changed, how you've transformed. Your beliefs have, 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 you know, have changed. But it doesn't mean that it has to be um, a huge turn. It's just, it should color it for you. That's what I'm saying, right? So for me as well, when, as, as, I'm, as I've gone on this journey, I've started seeing that it's not about just the end result, but it's about experiencing the moments that have brought me to this point. It's being able to see that realization. See, it's very easy. Uh, I spoke about mistakes earlier. It's very easy to look at a mistake and be afraid to do something new. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm afraid that you know, I might fail, right? But yet we speak about how you know, mistakes do give you new learnings and new lessons. So then why are we scared to do mistake, make mistakes? So then you say, okay, so you're trying to make mistakes on purpose. I don't think anyone can make a mistake on purpose because then it would defeat, it wouldn't be a mistake, right? So you're going to have, you know, you're going to have situations where you could have done things differently. You took a decision. It maybe didn't work out the way it is, but you learned from that. And maybe in the future, moving back, you would make a decision differently. But does it mean that your other decision would not make, uh, take you to another U-turn? Maybe, right? But what I'm saying is it's beautiful because that way, when you look back, you can see the journey and you can see the changes that you have implemented in your life, right? Mm. Isn't that something to look back at? Of course, it's a ref reflection. And you realize when you look back that it was needed. Uh, certain steps were needed or cer certain 
learnings. You know, you, you said the, you said mistakes as well. I mean, I, I usually, pref me personally, I, I usually use the word learnings mm -hmm. because often people, you know, interpret mistakes as a way, oh, I need to prevent that. So yes. if you're already consciously trying to prevent something which are defined as a mistake, you never come to the point to learn from it. And, yes. and you said something very interesting, actually, on Instagram, you know, there is, and I totally agree with that, there is no right and wrong. So often when you say that was a mistake, we refer to something else who made that decision that this is right or wrong, or that is how it's supposed to be, you know, the status quo. And especially in these current times, pandemic or any kind of, you know, if it's a mind shift in organizations, if it's something else, this kind of status quo is changing. So all of a sudden, what was a mistake or what was something which is not supposed to be becomes the new normal. Mm. So it's very interesting that, you know, when we say we want to prevent something, maybe we should not prevent that because it prevents us from learning. And there is no right and wrong. It's I, I love that. I love your take on that. Um, I, I want to add something to it. It's really funny you said that. You know, I. you remember when you were young, they would always talk to us about perfection, right? Oh, you want to be perfect at this. And, and how did you get there? How did you get there? You had to make mistakes, right? And we, we, we will say, okay, wait a second. I agree with you. A lot of people had that negative connotation to make a mistake. And, and people were punished for it. Some people would be scolded, you know, as kids. And what did it do? It brought fear in place. It brought fear to trying something new or to doing something less than, so I'd rather not do it, right? Mm -hmm. But what have we learned in life is that, you know, if life is an experience and that, you know, we want to continue to, to, to expand our existence, then we're going to have to try new things. We're going to have to try to expand and see what works and what doesn't work. And perfection mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. the ability to overcome a mistake and then do it again flawlessly because you've learned from that lesson. Otherwise, if you never overcame something, how would you, how would you know it's perfect, right? Because, okay, it's perfect based on who? Who, who decided the factor? Who set, set that bar that said, this is what perfect is going to look like, right? The person who did it, did it his way where he thought it was okay. Maybe he did it wrong 20 times. And then by the 20, you know, 21st time, he said, oh, I like this. I like this result now. I'm happy with this one. This is what my level of perfect is going to be. And the next guy comes in and goes, okay, listen, that's perfect now, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just talking in, in the air, but it's funny, right? I mean, you think about it as, as what's that going to look like moving forward for us? What if you make that change, right? And, mm -hmm. and so that, that's, that's the, the steps that I think progressively we have to retrain ourselves to start to say, okay, there is a lot of things that we hold, you know, in, in a negative light that we can't convert, yeah? Mm -hmm. and, and so this is one of those situa situations where I want to convert. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. One, one, when you say that tr the chapter transition is, uh, is one of the longest chapters so far, would you say that chapter lasts till today and will be ongoing? Wow, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I, I would say probably yes, at this point in time, this is that space. But um, if you've, I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a, in a you've ever experienced a book where, you know, for the first time, you could be also starting on other chapters, but the chapter's ongoing is still, so you have subse subsections of a book, you know, that could take you in different directions. Yes. And um, 
So this is kind of that 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 feeling stage for me right now. Is is where, you know, um, I see, I see that. So one one side is the organizational side, which I spoke to you about, which is a conscious leadership journey, and then there's the other side to this to this chapter, which focuses on uh, transitionally, on very similar energy space, but it works more now on the mental well-being aspect of every person. So you touched on this earlier. You said, right, when you talk about individuals, mm -hmm. you asked me that question. And this is now an area where I've put a lot of energy into because I've seen that, you know, we have a situation worldwide, which has obviously now, you know, been exasperated with the pandemic, but where, you know, mental health has been, has been something that people are dealing with worldwide. But if we could work on the aspect of mental well-being so that we can start to give everyone tools, people tools that they can put in place before mental health becomes a real, you know, a medical problem would be great, right? If we could all come together proactively to address the situation, right? So I've come up with a, uh, a coaching program called Mindfully You, where we work with, um, I've got therapists and, and, and companies who are dedicated to, to you know, uh, working with mental health. And I said, could we you know, infuse that space with, with practices that could you know, enhance mental well-being, right? Because you know, there are statistics out there that talk about you know, the fact that you know, one in two or one in three people are afraid to go speak to mental health professionals, you know, or maybe don't even reach that level, right? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how many, if you look at the world population, how many people are suffering? And what if we could work on mental well-being and, and, and give them tools that enable them to start to you know, work on themselves, at least, at least develop a positive mindset, yeah? So it enables them to at least overcome some, you know, some parts of this journey. I'm not saying that um, we, you know, we're gonna have individuals that you know, don't need to work with therapists. Of course they do. Of course that's gonna be that. You need to have all kinds of structures in place. But I see organizations, and again, back to organizations, I see organizations, you know, tick boxes on mental health, right, as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do mental health day, we'll do, we'll do this and the other, but, you know, what, what are we putting in place? What kind of support structures are we putting in place that can promote mental well-being, yeah? Mm -hmm. And acknowledge the fact that, yes, each and every one of us deserves the, you know, the, has the right and deserves the, the, the recognition of, 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 you know, um, being nurtured. We have to be nurtured, right? Um, so I, this is something I'm also recreating parallelly on the site. Mm. You said everyone deserves it. Uh, it's yeah. very powerful. I think that self-realization that everyone deserves it, everyone should prioritize themselves as well to, to see that as a priority on a daily basis rather than, you know, let's do it at some point in life. It's very powerful as well. And, you know, that, that kind of trigger in your head brain when it says yes i deserve it actually it's very very powerful it's very powerful when when you now say that last chapter called transition i'm very curious Rashif, what have you personally as a person learned in the last one and a half years i can i see you a lot identifying yourself a lot with yourself with your work and you know this uh, transformation in organization and individuals but you as a person what have you transitioned 
to, from, etc. in the last one and a half years? I think it, it, you know, every single thing that I've spoken about is, is driven by my personal experience as well. And continuously it is, right? So when I, when I talk about this chapter, in essence, I'm also talking about myself, right? I've, I've, I've measured so many things throughout the last year. I've revisited, um, example, you know, though, you know, we, MBS, we, we, we rebranded. Uh, I went down the path of um, a happiness coaching center. Uh, Maria went down the path of mindfulness. You know, uh, we decided, listen, this is just the space we want to go. We want to deepen people's journeys and we want to, you know, hold the space more authentically for each one of us. And so on a personal level, you know, that was one of the drives that, that for me, it was just, it was in due course. I had to do that. And individually as well, you know, it, there has been a realization that, you know, I, I need to show up more, you know? So now suddenly you see my branding in place and, and it, was, it was really tough, Daniel, for me because I didn't, I wasn't comfortable being out there. And I, you know, I know the new world is all about, you know, the social media and, and, and you know, mm. it, it's all about who you are, what you are about. But as, as in the past, as you saw, my organization was doing it. So I didn't need to do that. But it's been a transition for me. I mean, I, I had to, you know, I had this amazing conversation uh, with uh, an amazing, amazing person who's is, is working with my marketing team. He is, you know, he's the founder of the company. He's an amazing, amazing guy. And he said one thing to me that, that you know, really hit home. He said, Ranch, you know, you speak about such amazing things that you see and you know are helping organizations and leaders actually transform. But ultimately, they need to connect with you, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, it's not just about what your company is doing anymore. It, now it's about yes. you. Step up. Now it's time for you. We're going to talk about you. And I was like, well, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, can, I go on stage. I do speak. Don't get me wrong. But it, you know, it's, it's easy to speak about well-being and, and happiness and stuff that I, I do, right? But now you will see in the branding a personal journey where, where I'm also talking about you know, things that are important to me. And, and, and then you see, I don't, like you said, rightfully, everyone has their own opinion. Everyone, some things are right to them, something wrong. It's all a perception, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, what we connect with is what we stand for, who we are as individuals. Mm -hmm. And when you can see yourself in me and I can see myself in you, then we will resonate with some of the things you say. And there'll be some things we'll resonate with or some things we learn from you. So I always, whenever I end any message now, I'll always say it's a pleasure to learn and share because sometimes I learn, sometimes I share, right? <laughs> Another funny thing is you'll see a lot of these brick walls on my videos. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, the marketing team telling me, listen, now we got to change it up and we got to be, you know, different. You know, when you're walking, you're doing things and, you know, that's the way social media is done. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I love that. But I think I'm going to stick to this brick wall. And they were like, why? So there's a video on that. Because this is the brick wall that people are always hitting in life. So for everyone who is just uh, listening, there is kind of a brick wall, um, kind of a wallpaper, if I see that correctly, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, and behind Rashif, yes. Right. And, 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 and so, so the reason why I always, always have my videos in front of the brick wall is because I said, you know, if I want to hold the space, I have to be available right before the brick wall, right before you hit, run into a wall, right? And what is wall? It's something that can be brought down. It's not permanent. It's, we feel these walls are permanent features. Daniel. And, and why, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, what does it stand for for you at the brick wall? 
I'm curious. The, the brick wall is the illusion, the 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 barriers that stop us from, you know, um, from moving, from doing to being. And just to let you know, when you go to my website, you will see it doesn't only end with moving to being. It's moving to being one. Mm -hmm. One with yourself, one with your organization, one with the world. You know, it, 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 it's when we, we talk about, you know, uh, this question always pops up is, well, you know, okay, I, um, I have to work on this particular aspect of myself or as an organization, I will work on this particular thing. And I've, I find that kind of interesting because I go, you know, nothing stands on its own, right? You work, when you work on culture, there's so much more that we need to work on to bring you, you know, to bring you as, to, to that level where you can actually operate consciously, right? Which means that, and so it doesn't end there, if you know what I mean. And same thing goes with the individual. Okay, I have this problem. So as coaches, when, when, when we coaches identify with only one thing, it's, it's kind of unfair because there's so much more that, that individuals need and people need, right? You and I need, right? So it's important to hold the space from a, from a place where, you know, in coaching, you know, we, we move you forward, but we only ask questions. We're not, we don't give solutions. The idea is, is you to give, you know, you as an individual own the space and, you know, we hold it enough by asking you probing questions that enable you to be empowered enough to find solutions, right? Mm -hmm. And when you use tools, tools give you some, it's like a mirror, it shows you some reflections and it allows you to see where you need to go, mm -hmm. right? So it's all there. It's all, the path is, is mapped out. And this is the barriers that we have created in our heads. Interesting. So Interesting. that's why, yeah. So that's why this, this is always there in my videos is because I want them to understand that, you know, if a coach is sitting in front of this before you hit that wall, we hold the space so that the wall doesn't exist or you break it down and go forward. Interesting that Don't you interpreted it that way because I always saw that when I, um, also for the listener, when I ever touch base with Rashif, I always saw that brick wall. I mean, the last calls at least. And I was like, why is there a brick wall? And interesting to listen to your um, explanation because for me, my interpretation was like, it's kind of a work in progress um, oh. metaphor. You know, you're building something which is not yet finished, but you're building on it and you're open to change it, but you have a plan. You're working towards, you know, you're building something based on the vision or build on, based on a, on a laid out kind of roadmap. It's like right. when you're building a, um, a house or whatever you're going to build, you know, and it's kind of re resonated me with or linked me with one of the chapters you had earlier in the previous book, uh, one of the chapters you called foundation as well. And it kind of connected me to, you know, when you're building a house, you need to build first the foundation. That's right. And often it's the case that, you know, we see the biggest progress on, let's say, when you observe a uh, skyscraper or more kind of a taller building to grow, you see the progress relatively fast once it built the foundation. You know, you see each level being built week by week or every month by month. But the foundation, often you don't see that at all. It takes a long time till you see there is something being built. And with the brick wall, I can see that there is, you know, there has been a foundation already. You're building on it now. I love that. that. Thank foundation. you. That's very interesting. I love your vision. I love that one. That, that's, that's beautiful too. Um, I guess the reason why I explain it the way I explain it is because for me, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I think that, you know, everyone is, you know, is, is beautiful. I really believe that. I really believe that we're born. We all are here to do something. And we are unraveling and uncovering it. And that's why 
that's why this going within journey and, 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 and you know, moving us from doing to being is because I really believe that it's, it's, this, it's this, you know, um, philosophy that enables us to move ourselves and expand ourselves and just unravel the mysteries of who we are as, as the being that we are here in this lifetime, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I think the mindsets, you know, it's all created by our experiences and what we've learned. So if this enables us to, you know, if this becomes a block that we have put in front of ourselves or, you know, or behind ourselves, you know, we keep on trying to go around it, you know, and I've seen that in life. I've done it. We've all done it, right? We can see a wall and we go, oh, let's go around the wall, right? But, but this challenging that, this challenging that mindset, wait, wait a second. Okay. There is a wall there, but why is that wall there? Do I need that wall? Does that wall play a role? What role does it play for me now at this point in time? Mm-hmm. And when we ask those questions properly, the answers come faster than we can imagine. And maybe that is the time we tear down the wall. Very true. Yes. So when we when we see that one chapter as kind of an individual kind of book or kind of a kind of a mini version of a book, um, who would you say you think most in the last one and a half years when you create a kind of a thank you page before that one chapter who would you say you think you're thankful for in the last one and a half years wow um you know this is a tough one because i'll be very honest with you i am so grateful for every single person in the last well you know the last five years who've been part of this journey with me um you know, from, you know, my partners, my, my, you know, my team members, you know, everyone who was part of the MBS journey, um, people from my engineering background, my clients, even from all sets, because all of them, you know, played a vital role in reflection with light, you know, they all held the torch for me. And, you know, through the deeper conversations I had, through their, their experiences, through the experiences of my clients, I continuously see my journey too, you know, See, Daniel, it's really funny, right? You, you know you're holding the space because you really operate from that space of love and you want to you you know, do that for someone. But what you don't know is what is the other side of the table need? And these conversations helped me identify that. And I also could see you know, where I was limiting myself and at the same time where maybe I was limiting others or how we could expand each other and ourselves. So it enabled me to kind of, there was a lot of letting go. There was a lot of, you know, um, there was a lot of uh, realization that, you know, this is something I can't presently do. For example, there was, you know, in, in the space of well-being, there's so many different areas and directions, right, Daniel? I can't do them all. I'm not, that's not an area that I, I, I specialize in. So, for example, when you went into, into the mindfulness practice, right, um, it, it's, a, it's a practice that requires meticulous consistency, right? It requires the structure and there's a way to do this right and you know for example maria she that was her passion and she's so good at it right and that's the the journey that she's on and she she does it with so much grace right so but it's so important for people to do it you, you follow what i'm saying so what, what i saw is that even in the space that we we're in even while we were trying to bring happiness to people at work and everyone you know to connect to their own happiness I realized that there's no one direction to this. There's going to be different, different directions based on where people are. And each of us, you know, whether it's coaches or consultants or, or you know, practitioners, or uh, you know, even if it's leaders at, at organizations, 
you know, each of us are holding different tool sets and, and, and we can, you know, we can add a few, but based on who we are and what we're here to do, can we hold the space properly for someone? So I, the, that's why for me, collaboration is, is key in everything I do. If you even see my new, my website with, with the new branding, I have something like 20 program partners, right? We don't say team now, we say program partners. Why? Because I'm connecting with founders and, and people that I admire, I respect, I love, because I know that these are the best in what they do. And when we come and collaborate on programs together, I can see that they bring what they believe in passionately. I bring what I believe in passionately and we hold the space with honor. And that is the best that we can do with, 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 with the grace that we can offer. And then it's really up to the clients to then pick and choose what they need and, and move forward in that space. That's why I didn't shy away from, you know, um, mindfully you with, with this mental health space because I, I'm not a mental health therapist, um, but my partners were, and I, and with conversations with them, I could see the gaps. And I said, we need to infuse love into this space, guys. We need to. How can we do that? So the, the coaching program is, is, is just extended from the stuff that I've done that enables us to say, okay, bring that journey within and combine it with the tools that you guys, you know, do with your clients so that they can then have the experiences that they need so they can be self-empowered. I mean, my drive has always been as, as a coach and even with, with the past projects I've been involved with, Daniel, has always been that I want people to be able to come in, experience and move forward and then move and grow and expand. I, I didn't want them to keep on coming back for round two, right? So, so people would say, well, what kind of business is that? Well, the truth is that it's, just imagine we have 7 billion people and we can all do our part and we can touch the world this way and everyone can, can, can you know, hold it, you know, put their hands out. Then mm -hmm. how much support we all have moving forward, right? So every single day, I, I, so if I was being grateful, I'm grateful to so many people, Daniel. I mean, even the last six months, I've met so many amazing, amazing people, so many amazing coaches that reach out to me. They want to be join hands and go, listen, why don't you let's do this together? You know, mm -hmm. I've been invited to speak in so many different places and it's an honor, right? I'm mean, to go there and speak and share on these topics because I realize that if it's only one person that takes something like something away, something away, something away that they love, the chain continues, right? And that's how it happens for you and I. It takes that one person to say that one thing, right? That just clicks for us. And then we are empowered to do something for somebody else. And, and this is the chain that we have to keep going. This is what I believe we all here must do. Hmm. Hmm. What you said is just, um, you know, when you think for, for pretty much everyone, it also creates kind of a open door space to create dialogues as well, that you're open to learn from others while also exchanging your personal experience rather than, um, you know, this is what you said with the, with the interviews you have with the podcast and other podcasts or other interviews, other what, events, etc. Um, it creates kind of a dialogue as well. You're learning from others. You're not sending, uh, creating a monologue. Um, you create an open space for you also to collaborate and to learn from others, which is part of a transition um, towards a purpose. So when, when you say you, this chapter lasts till today and will continue as well, the transition chapter, um, What is your personal vision in the short term? Well, I guess, you know, it's, it's a really, really interesting question because, you know, as I continuously work on myself, 
you know, um, I, I'm also looking at ways that, you know, with the programs that we've, that, that I've created over the last six to eight months, how I can deepen this transition, because, you know, like, like I said earlier, is that you work with such a variety of different clients that you learn from each one, what you can do that much, you know, what else you can change or what else you can add. So in the short term, really, it's, it's being able to take as much information in through all the programs that I'm doing to kind of see, okay, what else do I need to add, adjust, adapt? What does the reality look like? Because reality is perceived by experiences. So as I continue to, you know, unravel the mysteries of, of these amazing, amazing people out there who teach me daily what is more important, I also learned that, that you know, um, as coaches or as, as, you know, as providers out there, what we need to do is not be rigid, not think that our programs are perfect, but understand that our programs are growing, are learning, are adapting, are adjusting, and continuously bring in you know, the next element to that program. I'll give you an example. Recently, I, I met with an amazing, amazing person who specializes in dealing with grief. And I said, we must collaborate. So we created a program that's specifically with coping with grief. Now you'll say, hmm, Raj, we, you deal with happiness, you deal with well-being and conscious leadership. How's grief play? Well, imagine the last, last six months in the pandemic, we've dealt with so much grief. So many individuals that are you know, experiencing uh, this at this point in time. If we don't connect and, and offer something that enables them to also be empowered and at least have some tools, then how are we connected to what's going on, right? So you understand what I'm saying is that transitioning in the short term, we have to also pick up what's, what's, what's really needed and adjust and add and, and, and create that element. So Daniel, what I mean is that as long as we are authentic to who we are and we continue to offer that, you know, we need to continue to pivot and continue to, to expand ourselves. One thing I didn't tell you is that I'm also doing my master's in psychology now, right? Because I really believe that, you know, there's, there is a space where, you know, everyone wants a definition for everything. Okay, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, the other. But if my job is to hold the space, then I have to be able to hold the space for many different areas, right? So I need to understand more. I wanted to understand. So it's, it's that desire. So in the short run, one of the things I'm doing is continuously indulging in expanding myself right? Continuously mm. have the desire and the love to keep on, you know, um, consuming, you know, learning more because it's, it's, it feels, it feels so exciting to me, you know, to understand one more chapter of uncovering one more mystery of what it is to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I said, Hey, I, I, I just want to do it. Right. So will it, will it bring another element being a psychologist? Sure. Is it yes. going to change my purpose? No, <laughs> right? It's just going to add one more element that enables me to better connect and understand with, you know, with, with my clients. Yeah, it's beautiful said. I mean, one thing which just came to my mind when you say about that program, you know, they're continuously getting improved. It's like a living creature as well, a living creature, similar to like a program. It improves over time as well, learns new things. Um, learning from mistakes what we said earlier before but it's also as you said you know it's a continuous pivot it's literally not just a transition from a to b 
but it's an ongoing transition, several transitions over time. And perhaps the transition or the learning out of that, and if you allow me to, to like see that from my own perspective, it's similar to like, we have to be prepared that there is an ongoing transition for the whole life. And that learning itself is being prepared for many, many transitions over time. And seeing that each transition is not the end of a goal, it's the beginning of a new transition. As we learn like something. It's, 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 it's very, very interesting what you say. And this is also very important because when you work with organizations, you know, organizations say, we have to transit from A to B. And then we, 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 we are the best, we are the whatever, have the best time to market, we have the best return of investment. No, it's just the starting point of a new transition phase as well. And this mindset has to be integrated into each individual. Very interesting. Rashif, so I want to slowly wrap up uh, that kind of add-on podcast episode just to follow up like what has changed in Rashif's life. And if you allow me to do something uh, a little bit off the topic, um, going away from transition, or maybe it's a little bit, it maybe it talks about transition now. Um, something which I did not know, just before the podcast, you talked about your favorite football club. And I felt like <laughs> I felt so connected to Rashif. Not that I'm supporting the type of football club, not at all. But I felt like, wow, that is Rashif. Um, it's not just a transformation coach and um, who I know. It's also that other person. And... For the listeners who will not have been part of the pre-discussion, I mean, you, you said about that, what you did yesterday, you know, watching that game, uh, but um, Barcelona game, you know, and um, that you say, you know, Barcelona itself is also in a transition and you're a big football fan as well. How do you see, and this maybe what was just came to my mind earlier um, before the podcast even, how do you see currently what you're doing in your personal life and in your work linked to the, your own interest in watching football or this current status of Barcelona? Well, I mean, you know, I, I must tell you that, that it's, um, you know, I was, so I was born and raised in, uh, you know, I was, I was born in Spain and I, you know, I, I lived in Barcelona. And so Barcelona was the first football team I ever supported. And, you know, it's always been my team, right? And now my sons love it too. And, and uh, you know, it's their team too, right? So. You know, when they win, you're excited. When they don't win, you're like, ah, <laughs> right? But the good news is that just like everything in life, you know, everything transitions, right? So as, as you know, you'll have, you'll have uh, a year where things work out perfectly and then you'll have a year where you learn from what you didn't do as well and you can do better again, right? So I guess just not only with this sport, but with sports period, because I love sports, right? I've always learned that you know, it, it's amazing the lessons that, that you can take away from, from sports, right? Um, you can have the best players in one team, yet they have to play with everybody else and everyone has to play, you know, with them. So you have to learn to you know, build relationships and you have to learn to, you know, um, to appreciate each other. You have to be conscious leaders. I love that, that uh, example where, you know, you have to be compassionate and empathetic as a, as a, as a sportsman too, because ultimately... No matter what happens, everyone depends on each other. And ultimately, when you score, it's not just you scoring, it's everyone scoring together. So you all come together for one cause, right? So, you know, as a father, uh, Daniel, 
it's it's amazing to to watch sports with my kids and and you know spend time with them. But I always am very conscious to explain to them and share with them that these kind of little lessons that come out of of situations, you know, for for example, when they see you know someone who maybe doesn't have a good performance, you know, I, I want them to empathize and be compassionate, right? You know, what do you think happened? You know, how can we how can you look at it, it, it you know bigger than that particular day, right? What can we do to to you know see the world with those eyes? See, Daniel, it's all a perspective, isn't it? Life gives you a choice to, you know, to see a picture. And based on, on what perspective you hold, you will paint that picture, right? So with children, you know, we literally have this opportunity, right? To, 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 to take real life examples and let them color the picture. And all you do as a father is, is, is you know, kind of throwing your little tips of, of you know, how, how you can infuse love. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, we have to live it first. And we have to live it through everything we do. You know, whether it's being a father, whether it's me playing sports or watching sports, or whether it's, you know, being, being a good husband or, you know, being a good friend, whatever it is, right? Ultimately, it's, it's, it's actually living it through experience, right? And building that mindset that allows you to see the positive outlook in everything. It, it's... It really is, um, you know, something you build over time, yeah. And I'm grateful to my parents. I'm grateful to my dad. Honestly, I am for always putting that perspective in me because he, he infused it at a very early age. You know, I'm always grateful to him for that. So many challenges that we've been able to overcome with that mindset. And um, sorry, I'm taking us back to that other conversation. No worries. Uh, all good. Yeah. Right, but you know what I mean. So even in sports, I I I, I apply that. And I see mm -hmm. that happening now with, with this new transition as well. Mm. I mean, when you said earlier before the podcast, I mean, Barcelona, I'm not such a big football fan, but yet I follow quite a lot, um, but not like I'm so in, like follow every week and so on. It just linked me to like sport in general, that sport is not just a sport, but it's, as you say, it's kind of a collective one vision goal for everyone and when even one person scores it's a win for everyone as well which is you know it's often you know aligned with also peak performance when we're talking about sport but it's also kind of this kind of team element where many companies have to think of you know how can we actually be a team how we can share competences how we um understand that whose roles and responsibilities are so that we as a collective can move forward and share our knowledge to other organizations as well. Um, yes, and that's the reason why I, I love that sport element as well. Um, me, myself, I'm living very close to the FC, FC Bayern Munich training center. It's around two, three minutes away. So every time I'm joking around, I'm like seeing that center. So uh, I might, I need to, I will think about Barcelona every time. Next time I will choke next to that center <laughs> <laughs> around. <laughs> Maybe this, who knows, a transition could be also a transition from one football club to another. But maybe these kind of transitions will never happen. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> there are some transitions in life will never happen, probably, for some. Um, Ashif, thank you so much for the podcast, for your time today. I have one last question to you. Um, and I am starting to ask this question relatively yeah, frequently last three, four weeks to friends and colleagues and also to know what is their understanding on, on, uh, under this question. So the question is like, when you look back 
that won't be, I mean, today we have Sunday, which is for you at the start of the week. Um, mm -hmm. When you look back end of this week on Saturday, what would you say needs to happen that you say it's a successful week? Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I, you know, I have so many things happening throughout my week, right? Uh, and as you probably figured out from the conversations you've had with me, you know, I take each day at a time. You know, I set, I, I, I meticulously plan what I'm going to do throughout the day, and then I, I take it off as I accomplish it. So, as long as I get that done throughout my day, I celebrate my day, right? <laughs> and then I make sure that I also balance it out. You know, I one thing if anybody who knows me is that I will not compromise um, time with, say, my kids or my my family. Um, you know, it's not second. I will never put that second. And, and so I'm I'm very meticulous and proper about that. I want to make sure that that isn't, you know, uh, is not substituted. And then at the same time, I also make sure that you know my workouts and so I keep a really really balanced uh, lifestyle. So to be very honest with you. It's hard for me to say that I don't have successful weeks. <laughs> it's, is that make any sense? So come Saturday, I'll, I'll always be looking back and be grateful for everything I've accomplished. I will not beat myself up when something isn't accomplished. I will just make sure I plan it better the next week, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll look at, say, things that I, I want to do more of, and I'll add that to my schedule. And uh, yeah, so, so Saturday for me, you know, I... I really make it a point to ensure that every single day I go to bed satisfied with my day. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting what you say. Like for me, it's um, the reason, that's the reason why I'm always asking you and um, others in the past, because we often define success or we link success often with work. And we need to, my, it's my personal opinion, we need to also add that other element, personal well-being. Um, non-work related, as you say, family, kids, etc., to that factor of success. How, how do we see success? Um, and how do we define it? Um, or what, how can we rephrase success as well? Um, or as you say, you know, that, that well-being, you know, how to feel, how, what needs to happen that we feel comfortable in our own skin? And we say, we gave back something to the loved ones. Um, because often, you know, especially in these times, um, pandemic times, we, as we discussed before, we slowing down and we more redefining what we thought are, let's say, success or specific matrices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just that rethinking process, I think, it helps us to better understand how we behaved in the past, but also question ourselves a little bit, which is a start of a transition as well. So very interesting that you say, and I love what you said with family and kids as priority uh, number one always. Um, and you live day by day, which is also great insight of you living it more or less in the moment rather than just into a long-term schedule. Very nice. Lovely. Ashif, thank you so much uh, for the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking the time. And yeah, I'm looking forward for the follow-up podcast. I look forward to <laughs> At some point. Thank, in you the, asking, thank you for asking such amazing questions, Daniel. I, I want to leave you with one thought, and that is that, 
you know, it's amazing when we, you know, with, with even working with you in the first book and now this book, uh, on, on the follow-up on this, it, it's how amazing this process of yours is because it helps us really, um, you know, go back and, and you know, reflect on our life and the reason why we are doing what we're doing. And uh, um, so I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you for how you show up and, and for the stuff that you're doing. It's, it's very powerful. And so many people are going to benefit from it. I can't wait. I can't wait to, to read all the different books that already have been in this library of yours and you're going to keep on adding. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate your feedback. I mean, for me, it's more like, you know, not just a capture, capturing of who is to, of the person, uh, of knowing what that person is doing at the moment. It's more about reflecting, but also knowing now what has changed over the last weeks, yes. months, years since the last recording. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, we might have created that one book one, two, three years ago. We might write now a completely different book. Even if we might look back now, we might say maybe the chapters, we might rephrase the chapters because we added a new layer of learning. So even if you look back, we might rephrase the chapters again. I mean, it's a living creature, you know, your own autobiography is a living creature. And when we look back in life, we might see that one chapter, which we interpreted it in one specific way, one, two, three years ago, now today, maybe in a slightly more different way or in more in the yeah. same way. It all depends on the person. And this is very interesting because we, you know, uh, we, as you said before, we're moving forward for, based on the foundations we created in the past. And the fo foundation in the past exists. We just need to unlock it. And how do we unlock it? By reflecting. So we can build on the foundation a new skyscraper or maybe a tiny little house. Depends on what we really want. Doesn't have to be the big skyscraper or whatever. And that's very interesting. Um, because everyone is an individual and uh, there's this interesting um, phrase from someone um, who said, you know, we are human beings. We are humans experience a, a human. No, we are human beings experience and human experience. Um, and we are living creatures. We're changing over time. In fact, our, you know, our, not DNA, our organism, everything in our body, our skin, everything is changing millions of times as we live. So we trans, our transition, our personal body transition is changing every, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure quite frequently on a daily basis even. Every so day it's in our, and it's our, our DNA and we just need to maybe live with it, follow the same flow rather than go against that flow. And that's, could be, a, could be an additional add-on scientific transition podcast episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much, Rashif. And yeah, looking forward to her in your next live chapters. That's a true transformational chapter, isn't it? So if you want to learn more about Rashif or reach out to him, just check out his website. It's www.rashifdaswani.com. The link is also in the show notes. I hope you stay healthy in these times and well as well. Make the most out of your time and don't forget, never give up. Always look up. See you next time.